Welcome to Joe Picks an NFL Team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. For the second half of today's doubleheader, we're going to Kansas City, where we'll see if the Chiefs arrow head into the Sweet 16, or you'll tomahawk <laughs> chop them yeah. into the reject pile. Jeff, hit it. Chargers fucked him over, wasn't that mean? So now he's starting over, picking a team. Joe makes the ratings, but Dan does all the work. Would he visit, would he cheer each and every single year? Are the fans an angry mob? Root with them, but not with Rob. Drink the city's local booze while you wait for Joe to choose. Joe picks an NFL team. Dan. Excited. I've only been up for 21 hours now. I know. Joe, with only one team left tonight before we have to frantically rush to get all the other teams done in time. What are you drinking? Dan, first of all, have you given up all pretext of drinking with me? Well, you just sent some random drink. I don't don't even know if I have the components to make it. What are you drinking? If if it's something I have in my house, I'll go upstairs and mix it right now. But I'm assuming I just need it's to not. know that some of the super fans are drinking this with me, so I'm not drinking alone. So super fans, go mix this drink. It's worth noting I'm drinking with you. I'm just probably not drinking the proper drink. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's called a Kansas City ice water. It is one ounce of gin, one ounce of vodka, half an ounce of lime juice, half an ounce of triple sec, and then three ounces of lemon lime flavored soda so like sprite or whatever it's perfect for a warm kansas city day are you actually drinking that right now i am how much how much have you drank today you were drinking before you got on the flight i'm assuming you drank on the flight mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah but it's been like a slow burn all day for sure all right well you're you're finning, finishing off that slow burn with some fireworks with that the, whenever you mix That's the right. alcohols together only good things can happen yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I'll I'll save my review for later. All right. Well, well, let's get right on. We know you're on a you're you're burning the candle. Let's get into the fan mail now. In that first episode, we got so much fan mail. I don't even want to tell you. But for people listening right now, if you have any feedback about the teams we're discussing today, the teams we're going to discuss in the next week, which we already know what they're going to be, they're going to be the Carolina Panthers and the oakland slash las vegas raiders send your feedback to nfl at joepixpod.com but i will say this be, be concise really spend the time to get the the impact of what you're saying in as few words as possible that would really really be appreciated by me thank you okay you guys are great i would just say with our like hour and a half episodes we're not exactly like you know, we're not living by that virtue, Dan. I know, but we're the ones doing all the work here. They're just sending in emails. <laughs> all right. I think so. I think a great number of our superfans do more work than I do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, whatever. The point is, for every word you superfans write, I have to read it, dissect it, figure out what to say. It's very, very challenging. I would appreciate it if you really made it concise, but I'm sure Joe would appreciate for my life to be as miserable as possible. Keep the word count coming. Karsten has sent in a long suggestion for how we should do the playoffs. 
and I know Tony sent one in a long time. I am skipping it over completely, and when we get to that point, we probably, when we get to the first episode of when we do the playoffs, I will talk about all of the things people sent in about how to do the playoffs. I mean, Carson sent in a graphic. He sent in a whole, he had a whole structure build. It was, it was quite then, and, and Tony has whole thoughts on it. So I'm saving all those when we do the first episode, which, I mean, what we just have to put a date on it, Joe. I mean, it's going to be in three weeks that we're going to do the first round of the playoffs. So if you have playoff thoughts, send them in abridged format. Carson has one. Tony has one. I'll add it to the pile. But Carson, I'm not going to talk about that now. But thank you for your feedback. We'll get it later. Yeah. And Dan, what I think, what I think maybe we can do is when we finish out the phase one of the podcast, which, which is the longest phase, but they're all equally important. Before we get to the playoffs, we finish out the regular season of this podcast. We can have maybe a, it might even be just a five minute, like playoff preview episodes. People know what to expect. They can tailor what they send in to that. And they know the rules of the playoffs. Once you and I kind of figure out what they are based on all the feedback you guys are sending in. Yeah, I mean, it probably won't be five minutes. It'll be like 30 minutes. But yeah, we can have an episode where we just figure out what we're going to do for the playoffs. Right. Which is fine. Right. That'll be easy. I don't have to do any research for that. Except for go through all right. the emails. But whatever. I like it, Joe. But right now our focus is on we have nine teams left. Let's power through them. Although. Let's I'm go. Getting to a mailbag. It's entirely unrelated. This is <laughs> our, our podcast has become an advice column. And it's a new super fan, Joe. And I love the new super fans, especially when they send in two sentence long emails. Well, it's not two sentences, but it's very short. This is like your favorite kind of uh, super fan, new and concise. So the new super fan, super fan Elliot, he says, Mr. Joe, thank you so much for your podcast. I love it. I am in a dilemma as I have been a fan of a franchise for almost a decade beginning when I knew nothing about football. I need some help deciding whether to stick with said franchise or have a second chance at picking a new team. What would you guys advise? Thank you so much once again. Sincerely, Elliot. That's interesting. That's interesting. Well, I feel like we don't have enough information here. I think what I would want to know, I know you want people to be concise, but what I would want to know is why and how Elliot picked that franchise to begin with. If this is the franchise that's like his hometown franchise, or he had some very strong pull toward that franchise, I would argue stick with it no matter what, because the NFL, well, teams have been in slumps. I mean, we talked about the bills and they have you know, whatever, you know, 17 years since their last playoff appearance, the NFL has so much parody that, your team will come around and all that time that you spent with them being terrible, you'll actually like that will pay that that will make the reward that much greater. That that will pay dividends. If you just pick this team sort of randomly or like haphazardly, or like you just liked their colors when you were younger and, and thought that they were cool. I would say, you know, go ahead. Don't feel any sense of, of, of obligation to a franchise that isn't giving you enjoyment anymore. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. Because part of it, when I read the email, I was like, well, we need more information. Like, what team do you root for or whatever? But it is, 
But then I thought, well, why would it matter? It's such a deeply philosophical question. And I don't know. I mean, I still wonder, why am I a fan of the Washington teams? I mean, I'm a fan of them because I always have been, even though I hate the Washington franchise. You know, I, I love, I, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I mean, basically the way I, I resolve this situation is I root from the Washington team as they're my team. And it's, it's just like, a, it's like an identity, like it can never be changed. But then every year I'll pick a second or third team to root for, like undoubtedly, Whenever you pick your team, that's going to become like my second or third team because I want to root right. with the team with you. You know, unless it's right. a, unless you right. pick the Cowboys, right. in which case we'll become rivals. Or, mm-hmm. but you know, whatever team you pick is going to be a team I follow for that purpose. So you should pick a team when the when the Washington team is bad. My my second team becomes my first team because the Washington team isn't in the playoffs. So you know, I just root for. The teams I like. And the other thing is that, you know, I feel like this is this is really the gap that fantasy football has filled to where, you know, yeah. if your team is really bad, you at least have something that you can really root for week in and week out. And you could even let, you know, you can sort of, I think we had um, someone write in uh, that they pick their second favorite team. They like change it up every year. Um you know, you could even pick your second team based on who you have on your fantasy roster that year. So you have your main team that you're still sort of watching in the background, you're still following, but maybe they're really bad. So you're just sort of looking to see who the up and coming players are. But then your kind of week to week, you know, fun team of like, oh, this team actually has a chance is based around your fantasy team. Yeah. Um, I think that's good advice to find a second team. But I also do think that like, if this is your hometown team, even if you don't want to, you're going to stick with them. You're going to always be drawn back. I mean, there were really bad Charger seasons where I would like, you know, you know, I'd say, okay, well, this year I'm going to really root for the Jets or this year I'm going to really root for, you know, uh, uh, when I was in Boston, the Patriots. Um, but you always come back to your first team, even when they're still bad. You just like, you can't help but be interested or get excited around the draft or whatever. It was only until they stabbed you in the back or, or as uh, the mooch would say, right in the front, that you had to give it up as he was stabbed. Yeah, well, no, and I think, I mean, look, we discussed this way back in episode one, but that team doesn't exist anymore. They're a new team. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know. I mean, even even up until like the week before they left, if you asked me, will you still root for the Chargers when they leave? I don't think I could have answered it because you can really only know like in your heart, you know, when you just don't care about a team anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, super fan Elliot, I hope what we said was helpful. If not, we thank you for following along in this journey. We're, we're happy you like it. And, uh, you know, you're a super fan now. So just go to joepixpod.com slash secret lounge and you're in, but nobody else. That's only for super fan Elliot. It's cause I never yep. actually respond to any of these emails. But everybody yep. seems to figure it out. But you're in. All right, Joe. Guess what? It's Packer Corner. Uh, we're back. We're back, Dan. It's Packer Corner. Pandering to cheeseheads who write to the show. Brought to you by Milwaukee's Best. Mm, thank you, Jeff, for that. 
into Packer Corner we go. We've got two Packer Corners. One of them is pretty lame. Everyone's favorite theme song, but least favorite segment of our show. Yeah, Love sorry, Superfan Ryan, for saying what you're saying is lame, but Superfan Ryan just wanted to make sure we had a Packer Corner. And he said, sort of staying on the logo theme, here's a little fact about the Cheesehead. Fans of the Packers' bitter rivals, the Chicago Bears, have long taunted Packer backers by calling them Cheeseheads as they're from Wisconsin area rife with cheese. Instead of being insulted, Packers fans owned the insult, calling themselves the Cheeseheads. In 1987, a, a fan put a Cheesehead on his head, and the tradition was born. So there you go. Thank you, Superfan Ryan, for getting to the bottom of that. I don't think that's lame at all, Dan. I, I like the fact that they are reappropriating the insult. No, it's lame. When we get to the second half of Packer Corner, which is from... Your coworker Karsten. And this is the part of Packer Corner that I like when it's negative about the Packers. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get in in Karsten's uh, mind space here as I as I'm gonna I'm gonna mooch my way through this. I just finished the Titans episode. I don't have much to say about Tennessee, but I have some thoughts for Packer Corner in general. I have found Packers fans to be quite friendly. I went door knocking in Wisconsin with my Cowboys beanie. Even the Scott Walker voters didn't give me any shit. With that in mind, I have to say it is quite irritating to listen to Packers complain about being the victims of bad luck. Let us consider two of their recent playoff victories versus Dallas in 2014 and Dallas in 2016. In 2014, they were the recipients of one of the gravest failures in instant replay history. We all know Dez fucking caught it. Enough with this nonsense about a football move. We all know a catch when we see it. Uh, FYI, Karsten, football move didn't exist at that point. It was ruled not a catch for different reasons, but whatever. You don't know what you're talking about, you Cowboys idiot. I admit the Packers may have gotten the ball back, scored, and gone on to win, but we will never know because the Packers got lucky. 2016 is less egregious, but Green Bay still had quite a bit of luck on their side. The play before Aaron Rodgers threw that long pass to set up the game-winning field goal, Rodgers was obliterated for a sack by safety Jeff Heath. The fact that Rodgers held onto the ball in that play was miraculous in and of itself. Then there was a play itself. You can add it to the Hail Mary TDs for the win. It wasn't some greatly executed play. It was simply a lucky break. Your team hasn't been the victim of bad luck. Sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way. Subpar defense, a fat running back, and a mediocre head coach have been your problem. Christ, you give up 15 points in the fourth quarter of the NFC title game to Robot Wilson and company. That isn't bad luck. It's ineptitude. 15 playoff appearances in two Super Bowls isn't some stroke of bad luck. All this nonsense makes Packers fans sound like insufferable, self-entitled brats, something I would expect from a Boston sports fan. Anyhow, not sure what got me so worked up. I think it was Joe talking about instant replay. Maybe the Packers corner from this episode. Oh, well. Wow. Wow. I, I like that first Packer corner better. There's a lot of negative energy coming in that second Packer corner, Dan. I, the funny thing is, I don't even think that's like, it's so much more of cowboy sadness than it is Packer Corner, which is why I loved it so much. Because A, the Dez catch, once I saw the replay, it's like, it's not a catch. It hits the ground, Dez loses control of it, and that's the rules, buddy. There's no football move. Dan, you know what? Dan, none of this matters. Who's talking here? A fucking Charger fan and a Washington Football Club fan. This is like, Dan, this is like listening to two rich people complain about their fucking private jets. The Cowboys are a multi-billion dollar franchise with the greatest wait, wait, stadium but in the Joe, NFL. Do you understand how much enjoyment I got out of that Des Bryant catch being ruled not a catch? I 
hate the Cowboys. And it was so great. It right. was so great. Look, the Cowboys get more media attention and more ESPN love than any franchise other than the Yankees and the Red Sox. The Packers get just as much attention and they have won a recent Super Bowl. Neither neither team has any right to complain about bad luck. Sure. Neither one. Well, you gave the Packers credit. But anyways, that's it. Uh, and Carson finishes off after he, he got less upset and he said, P.S. Joe said something about liking Taylor Swift country music. I can verify this. He's played it on his awfully curated playlist during staff meetings. It's so true. It's, it's true. They disinvited me from playing music during staff meetings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you can't disinvite me from playing. It's Packer Corner. That was a pretty nice visit, Joe. I thought, Joe. It was a great it's visit. Packer a little bit Corner. of positive, a little bit of negative. Brought to you by Milwaukee's Best. Remember, use code Joe at checkout at your local liquor store. 25% off any Milwaukee Best Light products of their wide range of products. If they if they act like they don't know what you're talking about, that's what they're supposed to do. You're supposed to ask multiple times and get disgruntled, and then they'll give you the, the discount. But if they it's, don't it's give part you, of the, if they, they the don't promo. give it to you, it's free. Just take it. Just take <laughs> it and right. leave. It's fine. Dan, I think I'm going to keep a pile of cheese curd while we while we record, just so I can eat some cheese every time we're in backer corner. It feels right. Yeah, I mean, I've been told it's a great delicacy. But Joe, <laughs> we we've got to move on with our lives here. What is our fan feedback from whatever the hell our last episode was? I don't even remember. Well, the Bills fans. You have a guess, Dan? We didn't we didn't move the Bills on. What do you think? Well, the Bills fans are probably so used to negativity that they probably like the fact that we were talking about them. The Bills fans love the fact that we were talking about them. That's right. Yay. Okay. So here's a couple things that we learned about the Bills. Very welcoming fans, nice fan base. They, they, some of some of them thought the podcast was a little painful to listen to, not because of us, just because the Bills didn't score well. Okay, so a few things that we missed. Number one, fan culture. Buffalo is apparently known for really stellar tailgating, including, hmm. of course, we didn't even mention Buffalo Wings. Is that from? Is that from Buffalo? That's why they're called Buffalo Wing. They were invented in Buffalo. Wow. Wow, that's pretty that's that's a big mistake. And they on my you know, part. all these links, all these links to like number one rated tailgate, like, you know, people huge write ups about the tailgate experience there. So not 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 that we're gonna move the bills on for that, but probably deserved, you know, a few more points in terms of uh fan culture, because that's a pretty cool thing to be able to you know, can you think about that? You go to a game, it's cold out, but you like Go for like a two-hour tailgate, enjoy some buffalo wings. That could be nice. Oh, definitely. Okay, better than that, though. Someone who listened to the podcast showed me um, some links of wild buffalo kicking the shit out of other animals. And they're like, <laughs> like, you watch this and tell me that a buffalo wouldn't beat up a tiger in a fight. And they are right, man. These buffaloes look rough. Wait, I think I was on Team Buffalo in the podcast. Although I, I think you I, were. I thought it said Look, a herd of buffalo could fuck some shit up. 
That's what you said, but I stand corrected. I think actually one buffalo would stand a very good. I mean, I think the tiger has the advantage that it could like move quickly and like um, pounce at the buffalo's like haunches or whatever. But um, the buffalo, it, it it has an interesting fighting style because it just is like chilling out, looking totally innocent, looking like it's not going to even come anywhere near you, like not interested, doesn't even realize you're there, and then just goes fucking nuts. But I can see why. They got shot very easily because it because that that like fighting style does not account for the existence of someone having a gun from like a relatively small distance. So incidentally, the biggest person that could take down the buffalo is the team we're doing today. The uh, the Chiefs or the Native Americans on the plains of the Americas. They were good. They were good, but they used every part of the buffalo, Dan. I know, but the point is they used the buffalo's fighting style, which it had honed. To, to take right. out the Bengal tigers that right. were roaming the Americas against it. They use every part of the buffalo, including the red lasers coming out of its eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> the red backwards-facing lasers. Yeah. That's important. It was great. It really kick-started the technology. <laughs> that's right. All right. So that's good. So you're not, are you going to move them into the maybe pile due to the, your uh, friendly buffalo welcome? No, but you know what? There's always a zombie team. I got a lot of feedback. People people wanted me to pick Buffalo. And just to say, there there maybe were some points left on the table with the fan culture. So I feel Buffalo Wings is worth some points. Totally. So they're the zombie team. I'm not going to complain, but we're not going to move them on just because of that. All right. Well, the book on Buffalo is closed for now. Maybe reopen later. But now let us get into the Kansas City Chiefs starting with Tony's draft status. And Tony says, The big story is a huge trade-up in the first round for a raw project quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. Now, I was at the NFL draft with Tony, and I remember the whispers and gasps running through the crowd as this trade was being pulled off. And then when we saw it on the big board, everybody was, I would say, a bit confused about what they were seeing. Why would Kansas City trade up for a quarterback? Why did Kansas City need a quarterback? But the crowd was a buzz. Tony continues, Granted, they needed a succession plan to Alex Smith, but I'm struggling to recall an instant where those have ever worked out. Players do not usually get more accurate or better pocket presence as they move up in competition. Then, a second-round defensive end to no Capascon, who is so a very wait, hard name to pronounce. Hold on. Hold on. But, to, but to correct Tony, I mean, isn't that pretty much exactly what happened with Aaron Rodgers, that he sat behind Brett Favre for two years? I think what Tony's saying in his point is, sorry, I'm like switching out with my real world thing with what Tony said. I think he's saying Patrick Mahomes himself had was not good in the pocket and wasn't very accurate in college. And so he's saying that Patrick Mahomes Oh, so he's not saying that secession plans never work. What he's saying yeah, yeah. is he's saying that Patrick Mahomes is this guy that I think has a really strong arm and can make all the throws, but yeah. he like wasn't great in college and people were, were very surprised he got picked so high. Uh and they were very surprised that Kansas City picked him. Although he, he was projected to be taken in a lot of places that he ended up, you know, could have been taken higher, could have been taken lower, whatever. You know, people aren't sure. He, he's a very, um, I think he was in the draft. He was the type of person people weren't sure where he was going to get taken. And when Kansas City moved up to take him, it was like very surprising. But at the same time, people were like, all right, well, that's who's taking this guy. You know, that's, that's the person who's going to take the risk on him. Right. But anyway, okay, so they pick a defensive end in the second round and a scat back 
Kareem Hunt in the third round to fill in for Jamal Charles. Everything hinges on Mahomes, and it remains to be seen whether Reed will be around to coach him. Oof, wow. <laughs> Tony, mm. making some uh, crazy statements there about uh, Andy Reed, which we'll get into later in the coaching section. Who's certainly has the confidence of Roto World. Transactions from Superfan Sean. Chiefs, he says, I honestly have no clue what they're doing right now. They're a team that seems like they're on the rise, and yet they draft a new quarterback in the first round and trade up for him, then fire their GM and release their number one wide receiver. Are they rebuilding? I have no clue. Who do they acquire? Running back CJ Spiller. Legendary safety Eric Berry. Wow. Resigned coach Andy Reid. And promoted Brett Veach to general manager. Waived release or retired. Released running back Jamal Charles, who went to the Broncos. Also released Jeremy Macklin out of nowhere. It was really a stupid move, in my opinion. They also fired their GM, John Dorsey, which we know who was replaced with Brett Veach. Interesting stuff. Joe, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that is interesting that it's a team that actually is seems like they're acting like they are rebuilding. Um, though, I mean, I do appreciate the model of drafting a quarterback before you are in dire, dire need of one. But, yeah, no, I, I think that's interesting. Maybe they... They are more in in a rebuilding mode than I think what like their outward appearance would be. I just don't get what he said about acquired Eric Berry. I mean, I thought Eric Berry had always played for the Chiefs. And then I looked him up and he has always played. Did they just resign him or something? I I don't uh I don't know. He's Super not, fan he, Sean. He, he's not just giving us current transactions, he's giving us historical ones too. Like it was great that they acquired him fifteen. <laughs> well, they, when they drafted him like ago. seven yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, he is a very good safety. So is Patrick Mahomes going to start or is oh, that, Alex Smith going to start? Definitely not. Okay. Alex Smith is the starter. He's. I think their idea is, you know, he's he starts behind Alex Smith for a year or two and, you know, maybe he plays in whatever, a few games, and then he's, he's right. definitely the quarterback for the future. But, I mean, they... they Took, picked him high in the first round and traded a bunch of stuff for him. But at the same time, it's like, you know, Tony's not too high on him. So um, just to give you some background with my experience with the Chiefs. So first of all, obviously division rival. Yeah. Like watched a lot more games with them, uh, you know, than uh, most other teams. Um, but interestingly, so Dan, you know my dad, big Charger fan. Charger yes. fan, like, I mean – the Chargers moving is more tragic for him than anyone because, well, I'm not than anyone, but like more than me because he's rooted for the Chargers. I mean, since they moved to San Diego, your dad standard hat anywhere outdoors is a Chargers cap. Totally. I mean, you like walk in their house and they still have like it's like a Charger throw pillow and a Charger blanket and and like they're not Charger fans anymore, but they just this is what they have in their house. He is going to root for the Chiefs next year. Really? That's it. Well, you know, I mean, he he may he he's a super fan who doesn't write in. He may just follow me to whatever team I root for, uh, based on this podcast. But his default would be the Chiefs. That is very interesting. For what? Why? So I'll tell you the two reasons. One is that he comes from this like older era of football fans, where you know this is like pre Direct TV, pre you know online stats, pre fantasy football. So the team that you knew about was the team in your division or was your team first and then was 
with the teams in your division. And he was saying that, you know, when he was a kid and you'd watch football, like you hardly knew who the wide receivers were on some like NFC team because it was like a world away. You would yeah. see them play maybe once or twice a year. I mean, he started watching football before even Monday Night Football was a big thing, right? So, so it was. I mean, I'm making him sound like he's super old. He's not that old, but like, but, but the point is, is that like, is that, is that for him the way that he, so the way that I watch football and the way that you watch football too, Dan, I know, is that like you hate your division rival. Yeah. Well, my dad certainly hates the Raiders for sure, but beyond the Raiders. He is actually of the mindset of almost more like a college football fan where once you're in the playoffs, you actually root for your division because you want your division to get glory. Just like you might root for a Pac-10 team if you're a college football fan because you want your conference or whatever they're called to like do well. Yeah, which I absolutely do. I love the Pac- Pac-12 now. Yeah, beat up on everybody else. He, with the exception of the Raiders, I think feels that way about the AFC West or felt that way about the AFC West. So the first is that like he always just sort of like had it, had an affinity for the Chiefs, like a like respectful rivalry with the Chiefs. But but if the Chiefs were in the playoffs and the Chargers weren't, he'd be rooting for the Chiefs. Interesting. The second reason is that my dad knew knows Alex Smith's dad because Alex Smith is a San Diego kid. My he was actually the principal at a school my dad taught at, the same school that Alex Smith was a quarterback for, my rival high school actually. So. Um, so he's always been an Alex Smith fan too, cause he like knows the family. Uh, and I tried to tell him, I was like, well, dad, like Alex Smith is like, not gonna, he's not that great. <laughs> like he's also like, he might, he might not like, he Number might not one even be pick, the starter. Joe. Right. But he might not, you know, you know, who knows if he's going to be playing for the chiefs for very long, but whatever. But, uh, so those were his two reasons why he wants to root for the chiefs. Now, like I said, he may just follow me to whatever I pick on this podcast, but his instinct was to go for the chiefs. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, the the part I find most interesting is that, I mean, I don't know if it's due to the podcast, but just your dad has decided to ditch the Chargers as well. I mean, I, I was surprised. I thought he'd follow them at least for a season or two, but he's over it. Yeah, we talked about it. It wasn't even a question for him. It was yeah. not even like, I mean, you know, similar to me, it was like, no, no, of course not. They're leaving San Diego. Why would I root for them anymore? Yeah, it does feel like that's a popular sentiment based on my uh, on the ground reporting as well. People in San Diego, not too happy with the, uh, with the Spanos is. All right. Well, you know what, Joe? This is interesting because if you like the Chiefs, this this could be your team for you. So let's get right into it. Number one, you don't want a team that is too good or too bad. The Chiefs have Super Bowl odds of a nice round 20 to 1. A little better than the team we talked about on the first half of this podcast. Their past Super Bowls, they won... Super Bowl number four in 1970. They continued the AFL streak of two in a row following the Jets in Super Bowl three. They beat the Minnesota Vikings 23 to seven. And what I hear was very exciting game. This year, their over under and wins is nine. So they're expected to be a winning team. In fact, their over under is exactly the same as the Ravens we did in the first half. So Joe, in the past 10 years, Win percentage, top third, middle third, bottom third. Say middle third. Playoff wins. Top third. Made the playoffs. Top third. All right, Joe, you are 0%. You missed out on everything. Look, Dan, Dan, I've been awake for a long time. (laughs) I know. 
You should have just picked randomly. I mean, you should have picked randomly every week. (laughs) But anyways, their win percentage is 45%, which is just at the top of the bottom third. Because the thing is, the Chiefs... That was close by saying middle third. The Chiefs, since Andy Reid got there, it's true, close. The last four seasons have been very good. In fact, they've had a winning season all four, 11-5, 9-7, 11-5, 12-4. But when we look at the seasons before that, they had... Two four-win seasons and two two-win seasons. So Ooh, yeah. unfortunately, those were were dragging them down. So they finish at forty-five percent playoff wins. They have one playoff win uh, last year against the Houston Texans, but that's it. And for making the play, uh, so that one playoff win actually puts them in the middle third. And they made the playoffs four times, which puts them squarely in the middle third. But you know they only have the one playoff win to show for it. So it's uh, not the, you know, it's not like the Ravens that made the playoff six times with 10 playoff wins. This is a team that is, you know, and I think widely known. And, and Andy Reid is sort of has that perception about him that he's very good in the regular season, but people aren't necessarily afraid of him in the playoffs. But right. Right. I think this, this, this is a 20 to 1 Super Bowl odd. This is a team that has won 11 games two seasons ago and 12 games last year. And, uh, you know, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think that, that look, the chiefs are definitely in the mix and it's been long enough since they've won a super bowl that, that it would be very exciting if they won a super bowl. So I think that that's great. And I, and I think that they are a good team. I mean, I think to Sean's concern that they might be rebuilding a little bit, that could be the case, but it also could be like more, in the Patriot style of things of like, they're not treating anyone as sacred. If they don't think a piece is working, even if that player has been with the team for a long time, like Jeremy Macklin, like if they think that there are better free agent or drafty wide receivers, they're not going to waste their money on that. Yeah. And you know, we've seen a lot of teams that aren't rebuilding treat pieces as expendable. So I think that this team is hitting a good sweet spot and, and, you know, 20 to one is kind of like that ideal sweet spot of not too good, not too bad. So I think this is an eight out of 10. Eight out of 10. All right. Number two, what do you think about the division? So we've been to this division twice before in the very first episode for your former Los Angeles chargers, where you gave him a three and in our third episode for the Denver yeah. Broncos, where you gave it a four and, it's and a half. It's been a while. It's been a now, while. It, it's actually funny that you rated this division so poorly, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure why, because if we look at the numbers, it's actually quite a competitive division. So based on the Las Vegas betting odds, the Raiders and the Chiefs are each tied as a favorite with a 30% chance. The Broncos are right behind them with a 25% chance, and your former LA Chargers at a 15% chance. So... You know, the Chiefs, the team we're doing now, and the Raiders, the team we're going to do next week, are both the favorites, but both of them are just at 30%. I mean, this is a very competitive division with long-standing rivalries, so I, I'm not exactly sure why it's rated so low, but uh, what, what do you think? No, I mean, if I recall, and, you know, I'll have to go back and look at um, the transcripts, but um, <laughs> the uh, stenographer notes. Uh, no, yeah. um if I recall, part of the ranking was that, from at least my feeling as a Charger fan, was that this was a perennially overlooked division. It did not get a lot of national media attention and was like not, you know, like 
lacks primetime games. I mean, like the biggest thing to happen to this division as a whole was Manning coming into it and he's gone. Right. So like, it just is not, it's not one of the big, you know, you look at like, um, the NFC North, the NFC East, the AFC East, like these are all divisions that get a lot of media attention. But I mean, the Denver Broncos were in the Super Bowl two years in a row. I mean, I'm yeah, not no, sure. I, and the, I think the Raiders think were, that, in the, were in the playoffs last season and it's sort of an ascendant team. I, I mean, the Chiefs were in the playoffs last year. I mean, did they did they make up all three? Oh, no, the, the Broncos missed it. But this this division has sent two teams to the playoffs for, I guess, at least the last two seasons, maybe more. Right. And different teams. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's an, right. I think that definitely those early weeks we were tweaking, you know, we were finding the right balance with the scoring. So those scores are probably too low. But I do think that the point still holds true that like, for me, I do a little bit look forward to the idea of getting out of the AFC West and testing the waters with some other divisions. And that like, I do, there's like a little bit of like an AFC West chip on your shoulder of like, oh man, like, like just like never gets the media attention. Um, but, but, but it is too low. So I'll give it a, uh, six and a half out of 10, six and a half. Boy, I think you, you, you're like your homerness is working against you here. I, I love this division. I mean, what an interesting division uh, outside the chargers. I mean, it's three pretty exciting team with long histories and, and great rivalries. But, uh, it is true that the West Coast teams always sort of do get overlooked. Yeah. Number three, does the head coach meet a minimum threshold of competence? So Roto yeah. World Oof. puts Andy Reid at number three. They wow. have Bill Belichick as number one. They have my man Pete Carroll as number two. And Andy Reid right behind them at number three. They moved him up. Last year he was number five. This year they put him at number three. They say Andy Reid has never won a Super Bowl. Does that mean he's a worse coach than Gary Kubiak or Brian Billick? As was the case with Marty Schottenheimer, another chief who, like Reid, is one of the 11th winningest coaches in NFL history, Reid highlights the limits of ranking by postseason achievement alone. It was bringing home one Lombardi trophy, a bigger accomplishment than winning at least 10 games in 11 out of 18 seasons, than making the playoffs in three out of the four years when Alex Smith is your quarterback. Reed's weaknesses are known to even the most casual of football fans. This is his own fault. Truly, it is not this difficult to manage the clock. But Reed's shortcomings should not obscure strengths most coaches simply do not have. A masterful game planner reads offensive execute, execute, execute. This can be difficult to watch when the execution is Smith alternating checkdowns with two-yard runs. But Reed schemes for the personnel he has, not the system he wishes he could run. On defense, opportunism is the M.O. with sacks and big plays a yearly staple. 61% of Reed's seasons have featured a top 10 scoring defense, a picture of calm on the sideline. His pulse stays 72. Reed has won over 60% of the games he's coached in almost two decades on the job. Try to remember that the next time you think he should be fired for wasting a timeout. So enthusiastic supporters yeah that's a strong that's a strong defense of andy reed um that's interesting i mean the other hand is that i feel like i almost created this category with andy reed in mind like the the idea that that i don't want to willingly sign up for a team that has a coach that makes decisions that as a fan i'm watching like saying 
why the fuck did they do that? And I think what um, Roto World's doing is they're looking at not the intangible things, but some of the things that are like maybe a level deeper than what you watch when you're watching a game. Like, you know, what does a game plan look like? What What's it doing to prepare players to execute? All that stuff. But there is still that frustration of how he manages the clock, how he manages challenges. And I think it would be really frustrating to watch that. Like, I hate it when I am watching a game and I know what the coach should be doing. Like, should they be going forward or should they be punting? And I know that, like, overwhelmingly what they should be doing and they don't do it. Yeah. And that's a very frustrating feeling. And I feel like Andy Reid is, like, the epitome of that. One of the super fans did send me a uh, a YouTube video where somebody ranted about the fact that the Chiefs kicked seven field goals in one game and they were behind every time. And it was like like at least two or three of the seven field goals were obvious go-for-it situations. But Andy Reid just kept kicking the field goals even though they were down. And, uh, you know, they ended up losing. And multiple multiple teams have kicked seven field goals in a game, but the Chiefs were the only team that have lost while kicking seven field goals in a game. It's even more frustrating in that, so, okay, you have this coach who's obviously very good at a great number of things. I think Rotor World makes a good point. Like, look, like, who cares about the other stuff? He's winning games. But then it's actually worse in a way because it's like, well, just get good at these other things or even better yet, hire someone. Hire someone to be in charge of timeouts and clock management. Just like defensive It's just crazy that it doesn't do that. It's, It's so weird to me that the NFL has a culture that no one does that, right? Like, if I'm an offensive oriented coach, you know, you might hire a defensive coordinator who isn't just the coordinator, but it's actually running the defense, right? Where you just say, I don't yeah. call the defensive plays. I, I kind of oversee the whole picture. But at the end of the day, like it's your defense. You call all the defensive plays, right? And we see the opposite happen too, where defensive coaches just hand over the offense to someone else. Why coaches just, just don't say, hey, you, it's your job to sit in the booth. You have all the stats. Here's the, you know, even not even just like the empirical stats. Here's the here's the subjective criteria that I want you to use, but I want you to impose it every time. You, you are tell the timeout me, coordinator. Or or you tell me when to kick a field goal, when to go for it. You are the go for it coordinator. And that's it. And they they answer to him. It's like that, you know, Andy Reid still wants to call the plays or whatever, and that's it. He goes to his go for it coordinator, and they're like, it's fourth and three, Andy Reid. You're going for it. And Andy's like, all right, looks at his play sheet and calls the play. Right. Andy Reid can do all the work beforehand to set up what the criteria should be. Maybe he wants to be a little bit more more conservative in how much he goes for it than what the stats would tell you to do. Or maybe he wants to uh, you know, be more aggressive with challenges or 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 you know, whatever. But but you said it you said it in motion beforehand, but then there's no game time. You know, you don't get flummoxed with the clock. You just do what you should be doing because there's someone whose job it is to just pay attention like, to that. Why are there thing. only the special teams, the offensive and the defensive coordinators? There's so much more that goes on in the modern game right now. Just doesn't make sense. I don't know. I don't get it. And it, it makes it even more frustrating that Andy Reid is probably a very good coach without those things. But I mean, like even, I mean, Rotor World kind of hit the nail on the head. Even me as a casual football fan, that's that's what I think of with Andy Reid. But he's won 60% of the game. And, you know, it's just like, look at the Chiefs before he got there. They were 7-9, and 2-14. and 14. He comes around, and then they go from 2-14 and 14 to 11-5. and five. Then the next oh, year, sure. 
nine and seven, then eleven and five, and twelve and four. I mean, and you know, of course, he had the long run as the Eagles coach, and it's the same kind of thing where I'm sitting on the sidelines and or I'm sitting watching the games, and it's like he's being an idiot in the game, but the Eagles are just winning, and the Eagles are good. Well, and how much better would he do if he didn't have to worry about managing the clock? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is sort of a frustrating situation because I feel like this is a pretty good coach. I mean, I mean number three on that list, that's really very high. Good. But but I I feel like Andy Reid is a frustrating coach to watch. Uh, so I'm going to say three out of ten. Oh, my God. Poor Andy Reid. That's brutal. That is... That Look, is unfounded. What did you give Mike McCarthy, who I think is a similar... Oh, wow. You gave Mike McCarthy a 4 out of 10. I think Mike McCarthy is a worse version of Andy Reid, but all right. I'm sticking with it, Dan. All right, Joe. Number four, do the players get in trouble with the law? In the past five years, they've had five incidents, which puts them in the middle of the third. Overall, since the blotter began, they have 31 incidents, which puts them in the top third. The player highlight that I am going to choose as a person on the team who's a relevant star, and this person is, of course, Tyreek Hill. So Tyreek Hill, in late 2014, was arrested on complaints of assaulting his 20-year-old girlfriend who was pregnant at the time. He played football for Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State dismissed him from the football team after the charges. Tyreek Hill eventually pled guilty to domestic assault and battery, and was sentenced to three years of probation, anger management, and a year-long program to you know rehabilitate people with um, domestic abuse issues. He transferred to a different college. He transferred to West Alabama and entered the 2016 NFL Draft. The Kansas City Chiefs selected him in the fifth round, 165th overall, and were widely criticized for the selection by fans due to his past issues and some of the Chiefs' past issues, especially with former linebacker Jovan Belcher, who uh, had a murder-suicide and, and basically committed suicide at the Kansas City facility after murdering his yeah. girlfriend. So, And the GM and the owner both consented to picking Tyreek Hill. And, well, what did they get? Tyreek Hill has been nothing but exceptional in his time on the football field. I mean, I can't speak for what is happening off the football field, though I don't believe he's gotten in trouble with the law again, though, of course, the crime he committed before is not good. But in his rookie season, he was was really, really good. Caught 60 passes for nearly 600 yards, six touchdowns, rushed for... uh, 260 yards, over 10 yards in attempt, three TDs, ultra fast, great returner, uh, one kickoff return for a touchdown, two punt returns for a touchdown. He's just unbelievably fast. Apparently in camp right now, he is threatening to be the number one wide receiver on this team. But, you know, it's not without the baggage associated with the selection. And, you know, for everything there is about rehabilitation and whatever it's still a team that looked over a crime that's um pretty bad to uh to to take a player purely on football talent so you know i I think that's pretty emblematic of how the chiefs feel yeah and it's not like with with other teams where you're like well they take players that are getting into trouble but 
they are like able to always turn them around. Like, like the Patriots are a little bit in that category, right? But this is a case where they are clearly willing to overlook a lot of things with the player. And they're also still in the top third of incidents. So it's like, they're not, I, I mean, as you said, it doesn't seem like Tyreek Hill has had an incident since he's been there. So, I mean, over the past five years, they've been in the they've been in the middle third. They haven't been that crazy, but yeah, over um, you know in the history. But I, I don't know that. I mean, things. I have no idea why why they were there in the past. Maybe they had some run yeah. a long time ago. But but look, they drafted Tyreek Hill a year ago, and that and a lot of other teams just would not draft him, and that's why he slipped all the way to the fifth round. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's problematic. Okay, 2 out of 10. All right, 2 out of 10. Number five, can't root for a team that Rob roots for. Dan, you have any guesses where Rob might stand on the Chiefs? I think Rob likes the Chiefs. I think Rob likes the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are a pretty likable team outside of Tyreek Hill. Rob has the Chiefs as his eighth favorite team. Top 10, Dan. Wow. And Rob says, lots to like about the Chiefs, except actually watching them play. Great home crowd, good fans, bonus points for my wife being friends with a former Chiefs cheerleader. So there you go. That's really neither here nor there. No. Top 10 for Rob, I think needs to be bottom 10 for me. So um, let's say 4 out of 10. 4 out of 10. Number 6, is it a city you would enjoy visiting for a game? This was done by Riley, the diabetic. He says, Kansas City has really fucking good barbecue. Joe's, wow, named after you. Mm -hmm. Florella's, LC's, apparently LC's is right by the stadium. Really, anywhere is good, but that's where I've heard to go. Very good. Additionally, National World War I Museum, the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art, ooh, the Steamboat Museum, the Kauffman Stadium where, where the Royals play, Kauffman Center for the Performing Arts, Union Station. Boy, everybody has a Union Station. Country Club Plaza. The Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Ooh, that sounds good. Boulevard Brewing Company. And a children's museum called Kaleidoscope. Wow. I would definitely go check out that Steamboat Museum. Did you know steamboats are my favorite are my favorite steam steam powered mode of transportation? Yeah. Way better than a train. Yeah, no, I uh, probably could go the rest of my life without going to Kansas City and not feel like I had missed out on anything. The barbecue is pretty good, though. Totally. I would love to get some Kansas City barbecue. But do you think you really have to go to Kansas City for that? Like, there must be someone uh, making Kansas City-style barbecue outside of Kansas City. Yeah, probably. Like, I really enjoy Thai food. I've never been to Thailand. Yeah, but, you know, I will say the Philly cheesesteak, the one they serve in Philly, is pretty different from the ones I've had in other places. That's a good point. But I feel like if you were to get the best Philly cheesesteak, like the best Philly cheesesteak you can possibly find in New York City, that would be better than, like, 70% of Philly cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. That's probably true with barbecue, too. Look, I, I don't know. Look, Kansas City, I'm sure it's a great place. Definitely w- would, you know, go for some barbecue. But it's sort of in that, like, nebulous part of the country that I just, I'm not going to, like, spend a lot of time. So let's say three and a half out of ten. Three and a half. Boy, you're killing the Chiefs here. 
You're intentionally submarining them so you don't have to root for the team your dad roots for. Wait, do you want to go visit Kansas City? Maybe I do, Joe. Maybe I do. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Number seven. Does the team play player players you can put on your fantasy roster? Quarterback, Alex Smith. He's pretty much identical to Joe Flacco in fantasy relevance, except now Flacco is the one throwing to Macklin and not Smith. He has some up-and-coming new talent around him, but he's not Aaron Rodgers despite being drafted way before him in the same draft. Yeah, Alex Smith was the number one pick. Nice one. His looks. He looks like Aaron Rodgers and Ryan Gosling had a baby, but it wasn't as cute and it, as it should have been. Still an attractive dude, <laughs> but not what you would expect when putting Rodgers and Gosling together. Okay. Patrick Mahomes. He's interesting. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, some of the stuff he did in college, like how he throws the ball, reminds me of my legendary quarterback. He'll probably sit behind Smith for a few years like Rodgers sat behind Favre, too. Looks. He looks like a baby, like he's in high school. All right. Yeah. Wide receivers. Tyreek Hill. I'm not sold on this guy. He's a new number one wide receiver of the Chiefs, and he makes some crazy plays for huge yardage. He's a wide receiver with three rushing TDs and 270 rushing yards. Like what? He has some crazy speed, which means he's fun to watch, but I would suggest not overbuying the hype. He only had 61 receptions last year, which will probably go up since Macklin has left and the other wide receivers aren't too amazing. Looks, he looks like a turd that's just confused. Oh, I don't know about mm. that. Other wide receiver. Chris Conley, this guy's a sleeper. He might go unseen in leagues because he isn't a name. Put up 60 less yards than Tyreek on 15 less carries. One problem is he doesn't see the end zone often, but I expect that to change. All right, this is now officially all too detailed. Okay. <laughs> running back, Spencer Ware, premier running back. He was a fullback converted to halfback. He's consistent. Not a lot of rushing TDs. Kareem Hunt, intriguing rookie running back. Might be someone to keep your eye on. Doubt he'll get drafted in most leagues, but he could wind up becoming the running back one, especially if Ware has an injury. Tight ends, Travis Kelsey. I always sleep on this dude and never pick him up. He's a fantastic tight end and always plays a predominant role in the offense. He had more receptions than the current number one and number two wide receivers on the team last year and puts up the TDs and put up three back-to-back 100-yard games last year. I'm slotting him as a number three tight end in the league right now behind Gronk and Reed. Hmm. Also, since he is, Travis Kelsey is an elite fantasy performer. His looks, he's beautiful. I'm white. I make millions of dollars. You should date me because of my beard. All right, there you go. Defense, being the number four defense last year, the Chiefs defense are nothing to laugh at. They ranked first in interceptions, fumble recoveries, pass deflections, and touchdowns. This defense is fun to watch, fun to cheer for, and great to have on a fantasy team. Kicker, yada, 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 nobody cares. Okay, so elite tight end, very good defense. I think there is some sleeper potential in wide receivers, but then, of course, Alex Smith is throwing them the ball, which hurts them a little bit. Joe, what do you think? I mean, with the exception of a top five tight end, this feels a lot like what we just talked about with the Ravens episode, right? Like, it's sort of like the mirror image of that. I I think uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, as he said, Flacco and Alex Smith were pretty similar last year, I think, in terms of their fantasy output. Right. So you have wide receivers who have a lot of potential but have a spotty quarterback. You have a lot of players where you could end up with them, but they're not your top pick 
not a lot of i mean are they gonna I mean, have kelsey's an elite tight end which to kelsey okay. is by far the most elite player of any of the ones we talked about like people are gonna pay a lot of money for him in the tight end position okay so but considering the tight end is not the most valuable position though it is in that one league that i have where you have to have like three tight ends your week <laughs> yeah exactly uh with the exception of that weird league it's possible that you could combine the Chiefs and the Ravens and not have any player that goes in the first three rounds of a traditional draft. Yeah, I think that's possible. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's really like the same level of talent where you're, you know, if I were to pick the Chiefs, there's some good players that I can get. I could really go out and get this Kelsey guy and feel good about tight end and have someone to watch. But I could also easily spend years of my fantasy fandom and not have any Chiefs and be perfectly fine with that. I, I'm pretty sure I did not have a single Chief on either of my championship winning fantasy teams last year. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, well, I didn't have any of them on my uh, playoff losing teams either. Um, okay. Uh, what did I give the Ravens? Three and a half. Let's be consistent. Three and a half. All right. Number eight is the owner a monster. So the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm just going to go back in a little uh, Ancestry.org sponsor segment. (laughs) The founding owner of the Kansas City Chiefs was Lamar Hunt, who passed away in 2006. But Lamar Hunt's dad was this guy, H.L. Hunt, who is an oil tycoon and world-famous wildcatter. And now we know what that is. Oh, interesting. When H.L. Hunt passed away in 1974 he was reputed to have the highest net worth of anybody in the world and he spread this wealth among his 15 children with three different wives and one of those children was lamar hunt who in his own right took the money from his father and founded the afl and among and inside of it the team he owned the kansas city at the time, or um, I think it, the first team he founded was the Dallas Texans, which became the Kansas City Chiefs. He also, in his lifetime, founded the North American Soccer League, and then, of much more recently, helped to found Major League Soccer, the league. Wow, I like that. Yeah. Okay. So he died in 2006, but before he died in 1999, Lamar Hunt financed the construction of the venue now known as Map Free Stadium in Columbus, Ohio, which was the first large soccer-specific stadium ever built in the United States. This family loves soccer. Lamar right. Hunt is widely considered the the like guy who the driving force behind popularizing soccer in the United States. And in fact, your favorite soccer tournament, the United States Open, apparently the championship trophy that is given out for the winner of that is named after him. Wow. So look at that. Two sports that they have a huge stake in. That's great. Yeah. So, oh, look at that. Yeah, it's called the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, something that hopefully your Seattle Sounders will eventually win. They've won it many times. Yeah. No, they've already won that one a bunch. There you go. And okay, but Lamar Hunt passed away in 2006. Moment of silence, not necessary. It was so far in the past. But now the current owner is his son, Clark Hunt. So Clark Hunt, net worth $2 billion. He also was a founding investor and owner in Major League Soccer. So 
very smart work from his dad, Lamar Hunt, founding this league. He's like, hey, son, you uh, you found one of the teams too. You know, they needed to like get people yeah. to invest in the teams. So um, Clark Hunt was the initial owner of one of the teams in Major League Soccer. I think he owns... I think he owns like three different teams right now in Major League Soccer in addition to owning the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, huge Republican donor. The whole whole family are big Republican donors. So we've got that in there. But um, it, Clark Hunt really doesn't have yeah. too high a profile. He uh, is not He's not like Jerry Jones or whatever, but he, sort, he has the pedigree. I mean, Lamar Hunt is very, very famous in the history of the NFL. I mean, he founded the AFL. He was critical in the merger of the AFL and the NFL. And apparently Clark Hunt in the uh, backroom under dealings of the NFL has pretty big sway, but he's not he's not super uh, out there in the public about what he does, but he, he's widely respected among NFL owners. And I think as far as owners, as far as fans go, I don't think there's too much to hate about him. You know, I think um, he's, he's generally been as good as you can expect. I mean, yeah, and a big supporter of soccer in the United States. Yeah, I love the soccer connection. Also, I'm reading about H.L. Hunt. Man, this guy, he started his business by trading away his poker winnings to buy stake in oil rights. Also, the fact that he's a wildcatter hunting for oil in random places and his last name is Hunt, like that's pretty, that's pretty badass. I feel like this guy was like the basis for um, the Daniel Day-Lewis character in There Will Be Blood. Well, the funny thing is, apparently H.L. Hunt in the show I never watched that you'll see later in the Wikipedia page that you're reading right now, he is the guy that the show Dallas that's based off like this uh, like super rich Texas guy and like his various like wheelings and dealings is based on H.L. Hunt. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, you feel like this guy should have TV characters based after him. It's a pretty interesting guy. Also, like, I think this is just similar to... um the Steelers, the Giants, and other teams that are sort of like owned by generations of NFL royalty. Yeah. And well, I think that's not necessarily a positive thing. I do think that it is um, better than these random inherited teams. And also like does give, I think, I mean, Kansas City's not going to leave Kansas City. I mean, it'd be crazy if the Chiefs left Kansas City. Yeah, it's not happening. Right. Just like it'd be crazy if the Giants or the Steelers left where they're from, you know. So it's like it does entrench the team more that it's it's a franchise that is about long term historical perspective. So I think these guys seem fine. I mean, they're they're Republican oil tycoons, so I'm not going to give them like a great score, but I think seven out of ten. Seven out of seems ten seems fair. All right, little higher than Steve Biscotti. Okay, the name. Uh, number nine, right? The uniform and the logo. Why are they the Kansas City Chiefs? The Chiefs began in the AFL as the Dallas Texans when the team moved to Kansas City in 1963. Owner Lamar Hunt changed the team name to the Chiefs after considering the Mules. Oof, good. good. Oof, <laughs> dodge a bullet dodge there. A there. The Royals <laughs> and the Stars, uh, both of which are uh, adopted by other teams, I guess by now. Hunt said the name was locally important because Native Americans had once lived in the area. He also may have been swayed by Kansas City Mayor H. Rowe Bartle, whose nickname was The Chief. And Bartle helped lure the team to Kansas City by promising Hunt that the city would meet attendance thresholds. Oh, just like your uh, 
San Diego Chargers. Yeah, that 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 worked out great. Boy, Kansas City Mules. It doesn't have the same ring to it. So, Dan, let me ask you this: is is the Chiefs name offensive? Uh, no. The name Chief is not offensive. I think the Tomahawk Chop may be considered offensive, and I think some Native American groups have have been offended by it, but I don't think Chief is is offensive. I I think the idea is nobody, like, calling somebody Chief can never be used in the negative. Well, unless you, like, well, but Dan, you could, like, say sarcastically, like, yeah, nice going there, Chief. Yeah, but you could say that with any word, (laughs) and it's still fine. Like, you're just making fun of them. But the point is, like, the Washington Football Club has a name that I think has been used offensively. And with the Cleveland Indians, I think it's just because the logo is so offensive. Like, I, I, But it's super offensive. Yeah. yeah. I, so I, I think Kansas City Chiefs, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But you know what? I'm not on the leading edge of uh, knowing which... T- names are potentially effective or offensive to Native Americans, so maybe I should be, but uh, I-, I can't. I mean, they're called the Chiefs. Come on. The, the Chief is such a great name, such a positive name. Tomahawk Chop is not great. Yeah. I, I think the Tomahawk Chop chant, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I I agree. I don't think it's offensive, though I am you know, could be persuaded otherwise. Um, but I do think that the logo and uniform is a little bit boring but in that way of like well it's been there like it it just seems like one of those logos and uniforms that hasn't changed for the last 70 years yeah um but i do like that red is not my favorite color for a uniform just because of my hatred of arsenal so it's like the red is like you know i root against red teams in most venues but i think um I like that it's classic uniform. Like that it is a non-offensive version of what the Washington Football Club is doing. Um, but uh, but it is a bit boring. So I'm just going to say a five and a half out of ten. All right, five and a half out of ten. Number ten. Do they play a style of play you'd enjoy watching? Well, in DVOA, they're fifth overall with the thirteenth best offense and the fourteenth best defense. And I think what you're going to find is a team that's certainly on offense, very middle of the road. I mean, the middle of the road and everything. They're they're nothing flashy, but they're not really bad at anything. They can run the ball all right. They can pass the ball all right, but they're certainly not dominant in either of the phases of the game, and their defense is, is very good. But, you know, it's not ultra elite, but when you combine – two solid units together, you get a, a pretty good team in, in the modern NFL. So I think that's generally what you get. And, and we've seen them in the playoffs the last two years. So, you know, we you sort of know what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a very, I think of this as a very efficient team, but not necessarily like a super exciting team. And I think a lot of that is is based around Alex Smith. Um, and how he's coached. So, you know, you don't get the sense that, I mean, if this team had a quarterback and receivers that were capable of more, maybe they would do more. But um, but I do think that this is not like the most exciting style of play, but I think just like a lot of their rankings, I think that they are just kind of middle of the road. So uh, five out of 10. Five out of 10. Number 11. What's interesting about this fan base? So in terms of TV 
TV ratings are in the top five, so the Kansas City area definitely supports the team. Their stadium that they play in, Arrowhead Stadium, is the fourth oldest stadium that anybody plays in. So the only oh, that's cool. the only stadiums older are Soldier Field, which is by far the oldest, opened in 1924. Lambeau Field, second, 1957. And the third oldest is the Oakland Coliseum, which is going to be out of the rotation very soon, uh, which is opened in 1966. So Arrowhead Stadium opened in 1972. You know, it's been around, I guess that means it's been around for what, nearly 50 years. And that's, uh, you know, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are, Chiefs fans are are totally infamous for being the loudest fans in the NFL. I mean, I think that's like a competition that they're constantly in with the Seahawks. And like, I always think of Arrowhead as a really, really tough place to play because of the fan culture. I mean, I, I remember as a Charger fan, even in years when the Chiefs were were like really really bad, you you know do that thing that you do as a fan where you kind of look ahead at the schedule like okay like the next five games like how are we gonna do or whatever yeah and the Chiefs could only have one or two wins in that season but you'd look at that game in Arrowhead and you'd be like oh but I don't know like anything can happen there like crowd noise is a big factor and like similar to Seattle. And I think it's it might even be the only city that I've seen where it it feels like the fan presence has a actual impact on what's going on on the field. Yeah, which is obviously great. And so I think that these are pretty intense fans, and I think that they are kind of known for that around the league too. So let's say a seven and a half out of ten. Seven and a half. And I just looked up this stat that. Apparently, the Guinness World Record for loudest outdoor stadium is now owned by the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium, which is pretty loud. 142.2 decibels was achieved in uh, September of 2014 during a game where they beat the Patriots 41 to 14. Let's change that to eight and a half out of ten. That's pretty good, Dan. Yeah, that's allowed. Eight and a half out of ten. I mean that that yeah. cause can cause like serious hearing damage for the rest of your life. Yeah, I wonder if there was seismic activity for that too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Never know. They don't have such uh, technology in Kansas City, unfortunately. <laughs> well, they don't. Yeah, they don't need it probably. All right, number twelve. We're worried about tornadoes. Yeah, they have yeah. tornado okay. problems, not earthquake problems. Exactly. Rate the drink, Joe. What do you think about your Kansas City ice water or whatever it is? Dan, you missed out. This drink was great. It was a perfect thing to keep me up um, at this late hour. I enjoyed it thoroughly, but we'll probably never make it again. So six and a half out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. That puts these Kansas City Chiefs at a round even sixty-three. Which ooh, you know that you have both the Broncos and the Chargers. The the other two teams in this division are moved on with sixty-twos, but. You've rejected the Patriots at 64 and a half, the Bucks at 65, my Washington Football Club at 66 and a half, and the Cardinals at 69 and a half. So it would be certainly some home cooking in your well-known AFC West, but but it does feel like the Chiefs are are a team that should move on. Um, Dan, how many spots are left? Well, I think. I mean, we we can manage the playoffs with any number of spots, so that's not an issue. But I think in our last episode, we if, were exactly 50-50, so we had 11 in and 11 out. 
And so now you move the Ravens on, so we have 12 in and 11 out. And But consider there are some dud teams coming up. But, you know, there are some interesting teams coming up. So, I mean, in order to get to 16, you would need to accept four more teams out of the nine remaining. So I think that's a well, way to think about it. Three more teams, and then one of them is going to be a zombie team. Yeah, and then the zombie team. Okay, you're right. So three more teams. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. But I feel like to let the Chiefs go through would be unfair to the Bucks fans and the Washington Football Club team fans, who I know were disappointed not to make it on. And, and well, whatever. But to reject them is unfair to the, the Denver fans. I mean, Denver's in at 62 and the Chiefs are out at 63. I mean, they're they're in the same division. Yeah, but but but, you know, those early those early ratings, there was there's been some rating inflation over time, obviously, Dan. Um, No, no, the Chiefs put up a a valiant fight, but I don't think I'm going to move them on. They're out. Chiefs are out. All right. Okay. All right. All right, Dan. Dan, I have a poll question. Oh, poll question. Yeah. I want to throw out to the audience. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What is a worse alternate name? The Kansas City Mules or the Baltimore Americans? Ooh. Dan, what do you think? Well, I don't want to jade anybody. They they vote in the poll. I like seeing what the people respond. You know, I didn't even vote in the last one. And had I voted, I would have been the deciding vote. So thank Thank goodness I didn't. But I didn't vote either, so I would have canceled out your lake vote, obviously. <laughs> you know, Joe, in the last one, when I was listening to the episode, I was uh, I thought we should have asked about instant replay because I think it really struck a nerve because you don't like instant replay or certainly had things, and I love instant replay, and... I feel that that might be an interesting poll too, but you know, I think we missed our chance. Yeah, we did. We did. I mean, now I, now I need to know about this mole mules versus Americans question. Okay. So, <laughs> well, it's done. Uh, everybody, we already know the two teams we're doing next. They've already been decided. We're going to do the Las Vegas Raiders and the Carolina Panthers. We'll finish out. I think that finishes out both of those divisions. Oh, no, no. It doesn't finish out the uh, Panthers division, but finishes out the AFC West with the Raiders and then the Carolina Panthers. You know, we're in the Super Bowl a couple of seasons ago. Cam Newton, very exciting team. So if you have feedback about either of those teams, send it in. Uh, Actually, come to think of it, the only NFL stadium I've ever been to is the Oakland Coliseum. So, and I've been there many times, but to watch baseball games. But uh, I don't think wow. I've even been to another NFL stadium before. So, have you ever gone to a soccer game in Carson? <laughs> no. Although, actually, I have been to many football games at the uh, LA Coliseum where the, the St. Louis Rams are playing. So, I guess that, are they not that? There you go. The, the there you Los go. Angeles Rams. Shit. I'm behind the time. So, I guess I've done that. But whatever. Who cares? Raiders, Panthers, get those emails in. Uh, vote on the poll. Based on what I said in the early in that last episode, just do the other teams, you know, re-listen to that one and figure out what to do. 
All right, Joe. Wow. All right, Dan. How do we do this? Home stretch, buddy. Yeah. We just need to do a little lightning round action. (laughs) All right, Dan. See ya. Bye.